Welcome into Jags AM. It is Monday, December 11th. I'm Tainani Stevens here with Brian Sexton and John Osher. We're doing a little vintage in the old drive time studios and the post game studios today for Jags AM as we get ready to go over, unfortunately, a game that was not great for the Jaguars in many facets yesterday as they fell to the Browns. Brian, I know we talked about a lot of situations. We were talking a lot about whether Trevor was going to play. Trevor did play, but there was a lot of other issues. Yeah, the, the most obvious one to me was just the lack of timing. And you see how important practice is for players, uh, especially young players, only in his third season and trying to figure it out. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm frankly not quite sure it, it, it was Trevor's timing as much as receivers going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And then on defense, just bust after bust after bust, they would play good for a couple series and then have a huge play. Um the Browns are really good at home. Yeah. The Jaguars made it way too easy for that good team to win. Sure did. Let's go over some of our big things here today. Big thing number one is Trevor tried. He definitely tried. We talked all week about whether he was going to play or not. He went out there. He felt good. He played well. Said the ankle did not affect him. But as we mentioned, he didn't practice all week very much, if, if at all, and didn't get that timing down with his receivers. Obviously, no excuses, but a lot of miscommunication. Just too many miscommunications. You know, we've been playing, we've been playing together for a while now, and that's on us. And we got to take some accountability, you know, for cleaning that up. And um, that's just stuff that can't happen, you know, for both of us. You know, we got to be on the same page. Um, and there, it seemed like all those plays that we weren't, you know, some weeks you're able to get away with it, and it doesn't bite you. It seemed like this week they all did um, turned into turnovers or or sacks or bad plays or whatever. You know, so we got to. We all got to kind of take accountability and look in the mirror and, you know, there's stuff that, you know, I didn't do well today. Um, And then just in general, we all have to communicate better. Communication. We talked about it being an issue for the defense, Brian, but it was the offense yesterday. John, this is where you felt the absence of Christian Kirk. I mean, it was clear that he was missing from the offense because there was just the guy that, that Trevor can throw blindly to mm-hmm. turn without looking and know where he's going to be. And it, it played out, not just in those deep down the field shots that it always seems Kirk is underneath, but in the third down percentage. And, you know, they, they couldn't move the chains consistently because he couldn't get rid of the ball under pressure. Yeah, and uh, he clearly has timing with Evan, uh, who was really good. Really good. Um, and... The shame of it is, again, I go back to uh, you turned the ball over four times and you gave them three easy plays on defense. Uh, mm-hmm. And and you still only lost by four. I mean, you know, so uh, this is one where they can really look in the mirror and know that those big moments, it's just not supposed to be that easy in the NFL to score touchdowns for the and, Browns. No, it's not. And – you did it with your backup to the backup to the backup of the left tackle. I mean, Blake Hans is out there lined up against Miles Garrett, and he did okay, yeah. right? He got some help, but he held his own. Uh, you, you did it without Foley Fontacasi in the middle of your defense and without Christian Kirk. I mean, with, except for a couple of mistakes here and there, you gave yourself a chance to win, despite the fact that it didn't look on a surface level like you had much of a chance to win based on the injury list. Well, the interesting thing is – or oh, it's interesting or uh, – frustrating whatever you want to call it they were decimated in the secondary you know mm-hmm. uh, you're down no Trey Herndon no Tyson Campbell Cisco's in and out uh, but the breakdowns two of them were on linebackers so it really wasn't necessarily that they went right after these spots where the Jaguars were hurt 
it was just you had huge breaks, huge missed assignments uh, that caused successful plays to become uber successful plays and touchdowns, uh, the kind that you wind up on NFL Network with the first touchdown stats next to, to Njoku, Njoku and the second one uh, or the last one to David Bell were both that. What happened there? Yes. Well, so was the second one. I mean, yeah. I mean, all the, the big play touchdowns, to, yes. Was the same thing. He caught the ball five yards wide open. There was some stat that no receiver's been that wide open for two touchdowns since, you know, the 50s. I mean, you know, <laughs> since they started throwing the ball. I'm exaggerating. But it, it uh, look, the season's not over, but you can't have games. Uh, it's too bad. That could have been a hero game. Yeah. Uh, and even as much as, as, as Trevor's timing was off, and I thought the ankle affected his accuracy at times. There were plays that you think he normally doesn't make that. Uh, but he gutted it out, and it probably should have been enough to win. Some of those mistakes by the lake, that's our second big thing because, as you mentioned, some of those touchdowns given up to the Browns were wide open plays for them. And, of course, the turnovers, three interceptions for Trevor Lawrence, fumble by Parker Washington, all of that just a disconnect as far as Doug Peterson's concerned. I think offensively we were a little disconnected. Um, you know, um, Trevor and the receivers were a little off. You know, we had opportunities to make plays in the first half, didn't. Obviously, the turnovers, you know, are are, are big, and, and you can't you can't do that. Um, you know, we had a little success early running the football. Um, you know, with some of the things we did to keep them off balance, but just overall, just not not enough plays made. You know, too many uh, too many self-inflicted wounds. You know, that, that kept us from sustaining drives or um, you know staying on the field. John, two of those interceptions for Trevor, the ball was headed Calvin Ridley's way. They looked like they were not on the same page, not in the same book, even, if you want to put it that way. Um, what was going on there? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know because I, I'm not in players' heads. Uh, it appeared on the first one there was the interception where uh, the defender intercepted to the eight-yard line, and, I, and I, the names escaped me. I was concentrating more on the Jaguars. Uh, Calvin didn't look for the ball. Uh, on the second one, when Trevor threw deep, it appeared that Calvin stopped and then realized the ball was coming to him and then continued running. Uh, that's how it looked on film. Well, uh, it looked it, like as if, if the ball was over his outside shoulder and that he had turned inside on the one, the second one, the diving one you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it looked like he was, he was running the wrong route. Right, and, and didn't look for the ball. Yeah. So, um, because when it, it came back, Trevor was pointing at his eyes. To me, it said, look for the ball. Uh, look... I'm sure a lot of that is timing. As Doug said after the game, uh, there was no practice of any significance for Trevor. So as a result, you haven't repped those plays to be ready for it. The other side of that is you're 14 games in. Mm -hmm. uh, there should be some muscle memory there. Yeah, although, you know, Doug and Trevor both talked in the postgame about uh, having played enough football together that mm -hmm. they should have right. better communication. But it's pretty clear that they don't. I mean, there's been a lot of moments this year where that has been off. Zay Jones comes back in, right? And all of a sudden it starts to look like it's supposed to look. Then Christian Kirk goes out, and Zay Jones is having to deal with other things. And all of a sudden yesterday it didn't look like it was there. So there's still more time on task that, being, that needs to take place between the quarterback and zero in order to get where they want to be. What are they now, um, 14 games into this thing? You'd hope that it would be, 13 games into this thing? Um, you'd hope it would be? Clearly it's not yet. Anything frustrating, I'm sure, for fans as well to watch that, knowing that 
you need someone to step up because Christian Kirk isn't there. And then having those mistakes with players that have been out there the whole season. So tough to see. Now, who's desperate now is our final big thing, our big thing number three, because they've gone up against the Jaguars have gone up against some desperate teams as of late that needed a win to stay in the playoff on. And now that's kind of the position they're in. They've got the Baltimore Ravens coming in on Sunday night football. And then the, this division has not been locked up by any means. So that's something they're a little bit going to be a little bit desperate about this week. Something needs to be said. I'll say it to them, whether it's on the field and try to do it in the most respectful way because I never want to look like I'm pointing the finger, but also there's stuff that needs to be fixed. And same thing for those guys that can come up to me and talk to me. If I'm not doing something right, if they're thinking I'm going to put the ball here and I put it there, we got to clean that up. So um, it's full circle, and those guys understand it, and that's something that we've created where we're going to have accountability. If you're not if you're not doing your job, whether that's me, whether that's Zay, Calvin, Christian, Evan, anybody, you got to do your job, and we understand that, and, and you're not going to win if you don't. Brian, it's frustrating because it feels like self-inflicted things that they're doing wrong, so does that mean they should be able to change it on Sunday? Well, you, you like to think so. Look, the Niners came in here, they lost three in a row, and they were desperate to reestablish themselves, and they played with great energy. It was clear from the beginning of that game that the Niners played with more intensity than the Jaguars. I don't think that's an arguable point. Um... And then yesterday, they got a Browns team that had lost back-to-back, and they felt like things were getting away from them. And the injuries, and and at least in the first quarter, on the first two or three series, they played with great energy. And I re- realized the Jags' energy level was going to be a little different because they were just trying to figure things out with who's in the lineup and how can the quarterback perform at a high level and all of that stuff. But, man, they brought it. They were at home. They had lost two in a row. They knew they needed to put the flag in the ground and say no more. And that's what the Jaguars need to do because you've got the Ravens coming in. And look, John, they got they got the gift yesterday that the Jets clobbered the Texans and that the Bengals did the same to the Colts. And so they still have that one-game margin, but you can't count on that. The Jaguars have to come out with great intensity on Sunday against the Ravens. Yeah, and I don't think the Jaguars are desperate. They need to have better urgency. Uh, for perspective, I thought the Jaguars were about it. 11-ish, 12-ish win team this year. Um, I'm not sure they're going to beat the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Baltimore Ravens might be the best team in, in the AFC. Uh, I think they'll win their last three. I think they'll finish 11-6, and six, and I think they'll win the division. To me, this is sort of what I expected them to be. Right now, they are going through a patch that often hits teams. Didn't hit, didn't really hit them last year. You're injured. You're trying to figure things out after being injured. You're fighting through. That Cleveland game was always going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, you... you they're inconsistent on the road. They're really good at home, uh, and they're a really good pass defense, which played into what the Jaguars weren't doing well. Um, they have earned their cushion. They're still really a game and a half up because of the tie breaks. If they play to their potential, they can do this, but this is my hot take, so I won't completely burn it. But they got to start doing that. To be clear, there is a difference between being desperate and feeling desperate, and that's what I think they need to be on Sunday is to have that energy level that comes from no more. we got to draw the line in the sand right here. We've got to avoid the mistakes. If you have bumbles at the bank, right, instead of mistakes by the lake, if we're talking about that next Monday, mm-hmm. then that's the problem, right? And I think it's the trends as well, right? They were inconsistent at the beginning of last season. They reeled off all those wins in a row. You get that, you know, kind of feeling where things are coming together for you. But now I think also the way that they're losing some of these games, it's things that 
are repeated mistakes or issues that we didn't expect, right? We expected this offense to be able to do a lot of things, but then to have communication issues in week 14 with receivers you played with all year, that's weird to see, or just, you know, miscommunications in the secondary that we've seen all season long. So I think some of those things are strange, and obviously when it's repeated mistakes, they don't have answers for it because they know that it's been a problem. And it's really telling because if you make mistakes and shoot yourself in the foot, a backup named Jake Browning, who was making his first ever road start, his second ever start, can thrash you, which he did. Uh, Joe Flacco, who's about to turn 39, who you know famously last week told people, I, I was sitting on my parents' couch watching football. And then he comes in and throws for 300 yards, and, and they get 30 points on you. If you don't play your best football right now, which Doug alluded to in the postgame, then these backup quarterbacks can come and throw it at you. They did. All right, stay with us. Coming up after the break here on Jagzam, we're going to go over some of the highlights from yesterday and the plays that we remember after the break. It's presented by Forever Vets Animal Hospital. Your pet will receive access to exclusive merchandise, events, and sweepstakes throughout the 2023 season. Visit jaguars.com slash promotion slash four-legged fan club to sign up today. That's the thing about this league. No one really cares who you're missing. There's a lot of teams missing players at this point in the season, but 100%. Obviously, they miss Christian. He's you know one of our best players and makes a huge impact you know on this offense and this team. So of course you miss him. And but you know Christian's on IR. You know we gotta we gotta find a way to to still win games without him. So that's not gonna change in the next few weeks. So we gotta figure we gotta find a way. And I got all the confidence that we will. But you know this week we gotta. You know, we gotta go to work. We gotta, we gotta get better. We gotta communicate. We gotta get on the same page. You know, just too many, too many mistakes. That's right. No one feels bad for you in the National Football League. That's for sure. Kainani Stevens, Brian Sexton, John Osier here with us as we're gonna go over some of the plays from yesterday, highlights and lowlights, of course, um, of just what went down in Cleveland. Now, one of the highlights I would say for the day was Evan Ingram and what he's been able to do. I guess the last two games, really, and obviously early on took advantage. The uh, they were able to force a turnover on defense or. Cooper's fumble there early. Um, not sure what he was doing, trying to switch switch the switch hands with the ball or something like that. Um, but the Jaguars were able to get it recovered in the red zone, giving them a good opportunity. And then Evan Ingram, he he had a day. You know that the, the takeaways yesterday were the way the defense played early this season, where they built that cushion that you talked about, John. And it was good to see. You know, do we get in there and knock that ball free? There, that's what gave the Jaguars a chance to stay in it um, at, at a moment that it looked like it could get away from them fast. I mean, it, at, it gave them two short field scoring opportunities with an injured quarterback and a makeshift offensive line against the number one defense in football. You're going to need the exact same thing against the Ravens, who lead the league in pressure. And, and on Sunday night are going to come in here and chase your quarterback, and we don't know what the offensive line looks like. You're going to have to get more takeaways. Yeah, it's such a league of moments and plays. It, you know, the defense played okay yesterday, except for three awful plays. Um, so that means they didn't play well in the NFL. Um, they played with heart. They played with guts. Um, Evan Ingram, to me, uh, he is having a, a great year, and he is the reason the Jaguars' offense is able to at least function without much of a running game. I consider Evan's stats right now sort of the supplement to the running game because Trevor's been able to throw short to him, and Evan can get seven or eight yards and keep them in at least a manageable down and distance. Uh, without him, this would really feel like a clunky running gameless offense right now. 
Uh, so he's saving it on that front, that chemistry, that go-to ability. Um, is that enough? I don't know. But right now, that's the way I see him contributing to the offense in a big way, and, and that's critical. The Jaguars also turning the ball over yesterday. Um, a couple of interceptions from Trevor, but also a fumble from Parker Washington, which set up good field position for the Browns in this game as well. And as much as we talked about the Jaguars getting it in the red zone when you turn things over on your half the field um, and give the Browns short field as well, they took advantage of that running up the score early. And it felt it was a close game by points, but it felt that this was at the point where it started to feel like it was getting away. Yeah, it, but the was did a nice job yesterday, and it, it, it was impressive in a way, encouraging in a way, that it felt a couple times like it was getting away, and they figured out a way to stay in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was almost laughing in the fourth quarter when they got the ball back with a chance to tie, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, if they win this game, um, what an incredible effort because you tried so hard to give it away. Uh, unfortunately for them, they didn't do that, but... It did show fight. I don't think there's any quit. Uh, yesterday wasn't enough. Moving on, another, I, I'll say, silver lining bright spot of the day is we got to see a little bit more of Antonio Johnson, um, probably because of the injuries we've been dealing with. But he got a strip sack. Um, and just his play, you, we, we know they kind of would like him to play nickel at some point. They want to see more of him. And there's flashes there, and that's what you want to see in that position group, especially when you're dealing with some injuries. Right. That's the play that John was talking about, where it felt like the game was getting away from them. And, uh-oh, all of a sudden now they're going to be packed deep to throw, and Miles Garrett's just going to come after the quarterback. And yet it was the Jaguars that got that play done. And what a play. And that We've been waiting for that kid. Because of his hamstring injury, he was slowed into the season. And now with, you know, yesterday, Cisco and Rayshon out of the game, it's really nice to have a, a young, talented player at that position that you can put on the field. Uh, and I say something here, but here's something, too, about uh, Travis Etienne, who wound up scoring on that play. He's got to earn every inch right now, doesn't yeah. he? I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, not real great interior push again. He, he made something out of nothing here. Uh, yeah, I think the Jaguars want to see more out of Antonio Johnson. I think he's the starter next year. I think he's going to be – I think they want him to be a key part of it. Uh, he he looks to me, again, like a guy who can fill that role. Good to see him do that yesterday. Again, I, I keep going back to the defense. As much as things got away from them in certain plays, they did enough to keep them in it yeah. late. And, and I think that's something that at least gives you hope for this bunch – to stay stout and play better in the next four games. And the theme of the last couple highlights has been takeaway, touchdown, takeaway, touchdown, takeaway, touchdown. And it would keep going. It did continue. Trevor, one of Trevor's interceptions would follow that. And then that would lead to another Browns touchdown. And Trevor, I don't want to say that you expect a little bit more in terms of his understanding with, with either Ridley or whoever he's throwing the ball to, but I did expect a little bit more out of both of them. And it's not, to blame either one of them necessarily because I don't know what's happening in the meetings. I don't know what play is exactly called up, but you you can use your own eyes and know that it doesn't look right. Well, if the other two interceptions were, were on Calvin for running the wrong route or not looking for the ball, that one was on the quarterback for, for just heaving it up there and expecting him to get back on the other side. When he hasn't something. done it, yeah. yeah. I, think, I, think, I think the receiver's got to help the quarterback in that situation. This league right now is about uh, throwing up and, and, and letting your guy make a play. Mm-hmm. Um but Newsom was over the top the whole way. Well. I mean, at what point would you see that and say, oh, he's going to get by him? Because he's one-on-one. Mm-hmm. 
the corner, so you throw the ball up and and uh, and, uh, and and let a go-to guy go make a play. So unfortunately, didn't see that play get made yesterday. Um, no. Parker Washington has been forced into things with Jamal Agnew being out, so he's been returning kicks, and now with Christian Kirk out, he's kind of become that extra wide receiver in the slot, trying to fill that role a little bit. We've seen flashes from him. Obviously, he's made mistakes. He had a fumble in the game yesterday, had some other, you know, was miscommunication on that play where Trevor got hurt on Monday Night Football, but this was a great catch, and and these are the flashes where you see you understand what he's going to bring to the team and why they liked him and why they drafted him. He just knows so little of the offense. I mean, he just has such a a slight understanding of the role that he has to step into. But that's the kind of catch that Christian Kirk would make. And so for him to pull that one down, John, we talked about silver linings and little bits of hope. You know, over the next couple of weeks, with more time on the practice field, more reps, more timing with the quarterback. I mean, think about this. This week, he gets into the starting role, but he doesn't get any reps with his quarterback because his quarterback can't practice. So you think that if Trevor can be on the practice field this week, that kid can make more of an impact. Well, we talk so much, and everybody in the NFL talks about second-year jumps. Uh, he looks to me like a kid who's who's has a chance to be outstanding next year. Yeah. If if you're making a few plays a game like this as a rookie, um, this is above and beyond what you expect from a fifth-round pick as a rookie. Uh, he looks to me like a. It, I don't remember the last time this team drafted a wide receiver who in year three or four of that kid's career, he's been a really go-to guy. I don't know if go-to, yeah. but you know what I'm saying. Well, I, I think he can be really productive for a long time. You draft a kid like that because you expect him to eventually repra- replace Christian Kirk, right? It's a couple years down the road. Here's the other thing. that Put it into context, what he's doing. He's also the punt return guy, replacing a Pro Bowl caliber punt returner in Jamal Agnew. And yesterday he had a couple, in an 11 and a, and a 26-yard mm-hmm. uh, punt return. So he is replacing Agnew and Kirk. If you had said before the season, oh, some point in the same game, he's going to replace both of them and play pretty well. You'd say what? Yeah, considering his first real reps were last week. Yeah, mm-hmm. two touchdowns. Uh, you'll take his production and his uh, potential growth. He's got upside, real upside. Full rookie in the sense of he makes mistakes and you're very, very mad at him, and then he does some awesome stuff, and you're like, oh, okay, it's all right. So we get the full gambit with Parker there. Um, late in this game, as we mentioned, it felt like they were out of it, but the Jaguars really were in it until the final minutes of this game. And I think, you know, they were trying to stay in it, go for it on fourth down um, late when they had the ball and they were within a score, and that's when they were trying to get back into things. And it's just. And they were they weren't calling this all day, and I understand why Zay Jones is frustrated. The the you know the back is on him before the ball gets there, but there's probably two or three plays that they had done this, and at this point you weren't going to get that call because you didn't get it the two times before that the exact same thing happened. No, and you, you got to wonder if Christian Kirk's on the field, how much more that opens things up for Zay to be able to make that catch, or Kirk is open on that catch. This will be the last time we can say, well, probably the last time we will say, well, what if Christian was on the field? Because it's the first game after that. But it it allowed them to, to get that field goal and put the game out of reach. Yeah, I, I think we may be saying, I think we may be talking about Christian for a little bit because it, it feels like his absence is going to hurt. I didn't have a huge problem with the non-calls. It, it, it felt like they were calling that pretty much both ways the whole game. I was going to say, they're consistently not yeah, calling it. So yeah, it was could have was. been uh, called uh, – I guess not surprising when you're playing a really good pass defense at their place that you don't get it. Uh, sometimes you throw the flag, sometimes they don't. It's a game of, of inches and yards, and first and second down, Jacks did a really nice job 
on that drive of, of keeping the Browns at bay. And then on third down, they got free just enough to make it a 55 instead of a 58. And you wonder if it's 58 or 59 if, if the kick is good. So um, Ingram had two touchdowns on the day. As we mentioned earlier, he was – you know, the bright spot for this team on offense as far as that goes. And the last two games, really, he's been clicking. Unfortunately, it's in two games that the Jaguars have come up short. Um, but he's kind of that, you know, they don't have that big wide receiver. He fills that role a little bit in the red zone, which is sorely needed and uh, was much appreciated yesterday, at least to keep them in it. Yeah, I think it's encouraging that he got – he had not been great in the red zone this year. And a lot of that circumstance, he hadn't had a touchdown. But sometimes, you know – you can go through patches where it's just not going your way down there. Um, it's encouraging for this stretch run that they're getting production in the red zone from him. They were 4-4 in the red zone yesterday. It didn't feel like it because they kind of gave away a couple of like 35 and 40 in. Uh, if he's if he gives them that wrinkle in the red zone, that could make a difference in one of these last four games. If you go look at tight end numbers, and I haven't yet this morning updated numbers, but if you go look at tight end numbers around the league, you'll find him in the top five in almost every category. In fact, yards after the catch, he was number one, and Najoku was number two. And I think Najoku passed him yesterday, but just by a hair. I mean, he is as productive a tight end as you could ask for outside of Travis Kelsey and Greg Kittle. So to have that going into the stretch run of the season – that is, boy, you, you, if he gets dinged up, you're in real trouble. I think he's 86 catches, something like that, on the season. And he, he broke his own Jaguars single-season receptions record by a tight end yesterday. He's close to the wide receiver records for the Jaguars. At this, or he's he's going to be at the end of the season, so um, definitely something that they need to imp- keep going to him on offense, and hopefully that opens up some other people. All right, stay with us. We've got hot takes coming up after the break here on Jagzam this morning, presented by CarShield. Move the freight, move the freight. Magellan Transport voted the coolest office space in Jacksonville. You can apply online at www.magellanlogistics.com. We welcome you back into JAGZAM on this Monday as we recap kind of week 14 and everything that went down with the Jaguars and Bengals yesterday. Um, You've heard a little bit of what we thought about the game, but now we're going to go over our full hot takes. Um, John, do you want to kick us off with your hot take today? Yeah. um, I need see it but basically (laughs) it's uh they control their fate they're still a game up and they're more than that because of tie breaks and they've earned that they're the best team in the afc south i still think they're going to win the afc south uh i don't think they're going to be like the number one c but i didn't think they were that level to begin with i think they're probably the third fourth fifth team in the AFC somewhere there they can still get back to there they're still capable of it um these patches happen when you're trying to fight through what this team's trying to fight through I don't think they should panic uh again I'm not sure they beat the Ravens but it's there for them if if they just get back especially defensively to being more solid I don't think this is time to panic, but they've got to do it at some point. Well, you know, you, you say that you don't think they're at that level, and certainly they're not with the injuries that they have taken on right now. They just don't have the depth on the mm-hmm. offensive line. But they're a missed Brandon McManus field goal away from being just a game out Fair. of yeah. that. So, they, 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 John, they took advantage of the opportunities they had and put themselves in a position right. to be able to see it from here. So here's my point. Beat the Ravens, claim the South, right? You look right now at, at the Colts, who got clobbered yesterday by the Bengals. 
Gardner Minshew is what he is. If everything else is good, if they're not turning the ball over, if the defense is helping, he can put you in a position to win like he did in Nashville. But they haven't beaten many really good teams. They haven't played any really good teams. They've beaten the Patriots and the and the Panthers and you know and the Titans and so they are what they are. And then now all of a sudden the Texans have a quarterback who's in the concussion protocol. And yeah, they're very beat up. Th- and Tank Dell's uh, they, out. They're, they're in trouble. So you go claim it on Sunday by beating the Ravens at home, which without knowing what the lineup is going to look like up front seems like a formidable task. But if the quarterback comes out and plays, right? It's, it's, still, a hot, it's still a very hot take in my opinion that they're going to be able to beat the Ravens this week. Well, I mean, are you ready to claim that they can't? They can. They okay. can do a lot okay. of things, whether so they will. I'm not claiming they will. I'm saying beat the Ravens. You win the South on Sunday night. All right. And by the way, you asked for a hot take. That was mild. That was blazing hot take. Um, my hot take is that they aren't following their own motto, right? They talk about gritty, not pretty. They're trying to play pretty right now. They're trying to play finesse. They're not, you know, in the trenches is where it starts. I think, um, you know, when you lose Foley Fatakasi and other people, you're, you know, injuries are an excuse, but there's an issue there. And then wide wide receivers, the only ones that are having success in the offense right now are Evan Ingram. And, and Parker Washington, who's shown he's probably one of the toughest people they have out there right now. And it's, a, for me, a matter of maybe that's not how this team is built, but when it comes to this point of the season, especially when you're playing um, teams like the Browns and the Ravens and the Bengals, for that matter, you know, the Browns are have twice the amount of injuries that we have, but they're just built on being a physical football team, and I really feel like that's what it kind of came down to yesterday. you got to be able to run the ball to play that gritty style and as we talked about right now at least I don't see the ability to do that yeah I I I think the Jaguars play callers I think everybody on offense would love to be gritty I'm kind of with Brian I you know you threw on third and one yesterday um because evidence has shown you in recent games that third and one is tough to pick up rushing for Mm -hmm. this team so I think they'd love to be gritty. I think they sort of have to try to be pretty. I want to go back. Yeah. One more hot take real quick. Give Tank Bigsby a couple of carries here and there. Okay. I mean, you need to have that slam. And I understand when he's on the field, defenses, under, they know it's not going to be a passing play. Because the Jaguars, if they don't trust anything in Bigsby, it's they don't trust his protection, right? His ability to protect the quarterback in passing situations. But he has, in his last 10 carries, four six-yard carries. Uh, you, you need that. Between the tackles. Outside, ETN's one of those guys who can give you an 11-yard gain. But how many times was he stuffed behind the line of scrimmage yesterday? A lot. Right. So if you can give Tank and he can kind of move through the pile, that's what they are missing right now. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> Excuse me, what they're missing right now. And also, you know, not being able to open things up with the line because of the injuries they have or personnel or whatever it may be. Yeah, you got to try something new. Yeah. So maybe that's, maybe that's the answer. Maybe they will try that on Sunday night. Stay with us. We'll look ahead to the rest of the week here on Jack's AM. Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguar furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all the customizable options. ZipChair is furniture made for fans. Jags AM also brought to you by Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. You can't replace a guy like 1-3, uh, but you know, there's no excuses. We got to find a way to do it. Uh, and this is this is a team in this locker room to, to figure it out and get it done today, with, you know, against all that stuff. Evan Ingram postgame yesterday, probably um, one of the most demonstratively frustrated with how the team has been. Um, obviously, he's a leader in that room, so you know when he's frustrated, frustrated with the situation, then it's probably reached its boiling point. 
Yeah, and, and uh, he clearly was. Uh, took no solace in having a big game. That's not who he is. Uh, look, it, the season's not on the brink. It's not over. It's all right there in front of him, but uh, they have to make a couple more plays a game. As bad as that felt, yeah. you're, like you said, it's such a league of inches. You're a couple of plays away from having won the last two, and everything's rosy. But uh, if you keep doing that, everything's not going to be rosy. Well, we've seen some things that work. It's just, and Doug said it yesterday, it, it feels like you're not playing your best football. And when you're losing, right. clearly you can't say that you are. You, you'd like to feel like, hey, we're getting better here as the season goes along, right? You know, we're, we're, we're grabbing a win. You beat the, 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 the Bengals, you lose to the Browns, you can at least say, all right, you know, that was on the road against a playoff team. We feel like we're, we're playing good football away we go. You just get this feeling like yeah, your footing isn't as solid. And, yeah. and if the Ravens come in here and win on Sunday night, you'll really feel that way. But John's right. The season isn't on the brink. You want them to play with a sense of desperation, play like a desperate team without understanding, hey, it's over, right? You want everyone to kind of calm down and make that happen. Just a thought real quick on Ingram um, and, and the absence. I'm going to grab Chad Hall this week, the wide receivers coach. John, so much of modern football is about getting guys in space in one-on-one matchups and then having a guy who can beat it. And it's kind of like basketball, right? And you've got a guy in Ingram that's used to the spacing, Zay that's used to the spacing that a guy like Christian Kirk creates. So I want to find out who can they put on the field because it isn't Tim Jones, right? Is it Elijah Cooks? Is there somebody that can create the sort of spacing that gets guys a chance to get open? in this offense is it is there somebody who's sitting there in that room because there's a couple of guys on the practice squad is there anybody that you can put in there and try and find something or is it is it going to be Parker getting better I think Parker will definitely get better yeah. I think and and I'm assuming I'm not gonna speak for Chad Hall he's very impressed with what he's been able to oh, do yeah. in the short term and I think that he'll be involved a lot more going forward see we should hope. All right, stay with us this week. Of course, we'll have Jags Am on Wednesday and Thursday. We'll get ready for Sunday night football against the Ravens. It's going to be a huge game here. And, of course, we'll get you prepped the whole week long right here on Jags AM. <laughs>